Welcome to the Game Plan Podcast with Judah Newby and Brian Perkins, breaking down all things Seahawks. Huge test for the Seahawks this Sunday. The L.A. Chargers off a bye coming to CenturyLink Field. Right now it's a two-point spread favoring Seattle coming off that impressive road win in Detroit. He's Brian Perkins. I'm Chuda Newby. Gameplay podcast, 1029thegame.com. And Perkins, as it stands right now, I mean, this is really a 50-50 game. We're going to predict this one at the end. I know I'm not feeling very confident. How are you feeling about this game? I feel the same way, man. I mean, I'm really excited because the Seahawks have played so well the last, even the loss right to the Rams. They played really well in that game and just couldn't get it done in the end against a very good team. The rubber's going to meet the road here in November. I mean, this team is facing four very good quarterbacks in Phillip Rivers, Jared Goff, uh, uh, Rogers. Uh, Rogers, and then Cam at the end of the month. This, If you want to know how good your Seattle Seahawks are, you are going to find out in the next four weeks because this is Sparta. Well, no, this is this is, <laughs> this is where the rubber meets the road. Right? I mean, yeah. and it starts, it starts this week at home. Well, we've always thought about December being that in terms of, like, you want to finish super well in December, but... I'll go back to last year as a reason why that might not necessarily always be the case. What happened the first week of December? Sunday night football against the Philadelphia Eagles with a healthy Carson Wentz. Seattle won that game 24-10. to At that point, we thought Seattle was world beaters. They were legitimate Super Bowl contenders, NFC contenders for sure. They would go on to miss the playoffs. Philly would go on to win the Super Bowl without even Carson Wentz. So I, I, I think things may have changed. I think this November, you're right. This is the most important time, right, for the Seahawks. Of course, just it's what's in front of them. I get that. But also just from an overall schedule standpoint, it softens up quite a bit in December. You'll be able to fix whatever issues you have in December against lesser opponents. But this month, with that four-game stretch you mentioned, you also have the Vikings in December on a Monday night at home. you got to think about that one. All the NFC opponents that are in front of you this Sunday notwithstanding. But it also comes at a time where Perkins Seattle is playing their best football. It's almost like they're peaking at the right time, if you consider November the apex. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's really important because you mentioned the NFC opponents. Three NFC opponents this month. Two of them, I mean, look, the division's done. Uh, barring some sort of catastrophic injury or meltdown, the Rams are winning the NFC West. But So take that game out. I mean, we're talking about two teams that are likely going to either be in the wild card hunt or in a hunt for their own division in the Packers and, of course, in the Panthers, who have surprised, I would say, the majority of NFL fans with the way they've played this season. But their record, you know, whether or not you think they're real, their record is good enough that they're going to be flirting with 9, 10, 11 wins, something in that range, probably this season. So these are teams that you have to try to beat because if you don't, tiebreakers could come back to haunt you. I mean, this is, and you're right, it could not be a better time for Seattle to feel as confident as they are but, you know, this is a defense that's number two in DVOA. Amazing. Uh, an offense that's top 10 in mm-hmm. DVOA as well. And defensively, Pete Carroll is a maestro and has put together yet another monumental effort to cement his legacy as, as you know, the, one of the top defensive coaches of this era, probably. Um, but you're really going to learn a lot, aren't you? About no the question. secondary, about Flowers, about Griffin, about... The, about Ted Thompson, about, you know, how is McDougal going to play? Because so you're funny going when you say Ted, quarterbacks. Ted Thompson, I always think of the long time Packers executive yeah. that <laughs> just retired. He's like, well, Ted Thompson's also in our secondary. No, I, I like it. Ted, Ted Thompson. It's just uh, the hard hitting physical Ted Thompson. We call him Rick. Are, is, what is Rick short for? Is that Richard? That has got to be Richard, right? 
Yeah, it must be. Ordinarily. Rich, Rick, or Rick is Dick. short for Ricky, I believe. Ricky. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tedrick Fowler. Um, but you're right. Exactly. This is going to be a, you know, show me the money type of month for the Seahawks. Just to highlight it, you'll get the Packers on a Thursday night, so that stands out. The road game at Carolina, you'll have, you know, 10 days to prepare. And, you know, the Rams game is going to be on the road, but you've won in that place before last year, obviously with a much different looking team. And you competed with them, you know, highly when they were in uh, Seattle. And the Rams, by the way, you know, they've got the Saints this week. So, you know, the Rams went from Packers to Saints to Seahawks. That's a tough stretch for them, too. Just something to keep in mind as, as November unfolds. And you're probably rooting for the Rams in that situation. I think so. Yeah, although I th- I think the Saints won't be in any um, – they're markedly better than the Seahawks even right now, I think. Although I'd like to see that game. For sure. That'd be a fun game. But you just don't want to be in a scenario where the Panthers are, t- are tied with the Saints in some fashion yeah. and they have the tiebreaker. Right. I mean, the Saints are a better team, I would agree. Right. But Yeah, I think the Saints and Panthers still have to play twice. Yeah. Those will be some good games. Yeah. All right, let's get to some news and notes. Michael Kendricks, we got some clarity on him in terms of availability. Uh, he'll be able to return to the team to practice after week 12, which is coming up later this month, I believe right after Thanksgiving. He'll be eligible to return to the field, reportedly, week 14, a Monday night football game against the Minnesota Vikings. You know, I joked with you earlier this week that this is why you sign these kind of guys, because, you know, he's going to be able to be a contributor for about half the games this season. He played decently when he was on the field earlier. He, and hopefully he can come back healthy, locked in, focused, ready to go for uh, for the rest of December, starting with December 10th, even though he's going to prison in January, most likely. Yeah, and Kendricks was, uh, I mean, he really is going to bring a lot of depth to a linebacking core that, when healthy, is already looking very good. I mean, you know, KJ came back and was one of the highest rated uh, PFF yep. on PFF linebackers of the week in his first game back of the season. And if you expected any rust, it sure didn't show on the field. He was all over the place and him and Wagner looked as dominant as ever as a one-two punch uh, in that linebacking core. You add the fact that Mingo gets <laughs> a fumble recovery in that game. On special teams. On special yeah. teams. Uh, he's obviously filled in wonderfully when needed this season. And now you're talking about Kendricks coming back. That's a position group that's pretty deep right now. Yeah, and, and still uh, a month away from that return, but you're right. I mean, on yeah. paper, they should be able to form really nicely moving forward. That's four very strong linebackers. Yeah. So we'll, we'll keep an eye out for that, and however conflicted you are about white-collar criminal uh, starting for the for the Seahawks, hey, he's contributing on the field, so there's something to be said for that. At some point, you just go over the tip of the iceberg with uh, being jaded with stuff. And we haven't even gotten into it's like hard. It's how conf- it's white collar criminal compares to you know any other type of criminal on your team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> certainly a unique situation. All right. Uh, also, you know, different type of dynamic. Different note here. But Jack Patera passed away. He was the first head coach of the Seattle Seahawks at the age of 85, dealing with pancreatic cancer. Passed away in his home of uh, Clay Ellum, outside of the Seattle area. Um, you know, coached the Seahawks for about. Seven years, was a University of Oregon alum, uh, went there, was an All-American or an uh, All-Conference offensive lineman at guard at U of O in 1951, I believe, was drafted in the NFL, played for the Cowboys, played for the Chicago Cardinals, um, played for a, a couple of other teams in Minnesota along the way as well. But first coach in Seahawks history, Jack Patera, 1978 NFL AP Coach of the Year as well. Yeah, yeah, he... Uh... He's always going to have a special place, right, in any Seahawks fan's heart because he was the guy that came in and had to guide this franchise right out of the gate, which, by the way, not an easy task for an expansion team to come in and and try to uh, have a, a quick impact. You know, there's not a lot of Golden Knights 
out there uh, right. in the world in terms so, of the NHL team. You know, even will, being willing to come in and, and kind of shoulder that and, and wanting to come in and take that opportunity is is pretty ballsy, if you ask me, because it's it's not an easy an easy task. So, you know, RIP, and and he's a guy that uh, you know is going to live forever in uh, Seahawks memory. Jim Zorn had a nice tweet uh, saying, "Hey, you know, he always." would rather be called Jack than be called coach, which I thought was interesting. He said, if you call him, hey, coach, he said, hey, player, <laughs> as his response. <laughs> you know, so he, he liked the person personability, the relatability with his players, and he would always have a trick up his sleeve in terms of a uh, a fake field goal or some type of special teams fake uh, that Zorn was uh, fond of putting in the game plan. Little things like that, you know, bring out coaches' personalities, so... You know, Paul Allen, of course, the owner passed away earlier this month. Now you have the first team's coach passing away. Uh, it's just uh, it's out of respect taking some time to reflect on their legacy and what they meant to the franchise and the organization because even as Seahawks fans since the, you know, for me, the late 90s to now, um, you know, it's worth going back in the team's history and imagining myself of what kind of fan I would be of that team from its inception and throughout the 80s and through the other important moments of the franchise. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, obviously both you and I are way too young to uh, have any sort of memory, mm-hmm. but my dad was kind of regaling me a little bit. And, uh, yeah, it's 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 tough, but, he, you know, he lived a long life and a good life and uh, did a lot of uh, good things. All right, Seahawks Chargers, let's get into our matchup zone here. Three matchups we each pick highlighting this game. I'm sure some of us will have uh, commonalities, so we'll uh, we'll try to stretch, but Perkins, I'll go ahead and seed the honors. Okay. To myself and start. Oh, no. oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> so this one is a little bit dicey because is Melvin Gordon going to play? He's been battling with the hamstring issue uh, throughout the bye week. He's been limited in practice this week. But uh, if Gordon does play and, and he's any semblance of what we are used to seeing from him, I'll tell you what. What type of balance, Judah, has he added to this offense and making Philip Rivers' job much easier? And Rivers, as we know, is having a uh, one of those Rivers-esque seasons where he's putting up a very high passer rating and, and throwing touchdowns at a high clip. Mm-hmm. Gordon's averaging over five yards a carry this season. Oof. So to me, linebackers in particular, Mr. Bobby Swagner versus Melvin Gordon, I think it could have a big impact on this game. And can you really stop the run and force Phillip Rivers to make plays with his arm uh, and uh, go up against the secondary that's looked pretty darn good this season? I think that uh, being able to stifle him and the run game in general, assuming Gordon plays, is going to be a big deal. Yeah, and you got to keep in mind, uh, Russell Okun makes his return to CenturyLink at the left tackle position. Dan Feeney, one of their recent draft picks, has played well. Mike Pouncey they have at center, you know, the longtime uh, former Dolphin. And uh, Schofield and Barksdale. I mean, that's a strong offensive line that they have going on uh, with the LA Chargers. I will flip just to the other side of the ball and take a look at Justin Britt in particular, but also the Seahawks offensive line at whole. And another former Seahawk making his return to CenturyLink Field, Brandon Meebane, is playing nose tackle for the Chargers. And this is such a big matchup because Seattle has been the top rushing team in terms of attempts and production over the last five weeks in the entire NFL. They know their identity. They know they're going to have to affect and, and, and really execute in the run game. And it all starts up front. Brandon Meemane, you know, big number 92, that was his job when he was here in Seattle. Picked, you know, oh, was it 06 out of Cal, I want to say? The, it was the draft all the way back then, maybe the 07 draft. One of the longest tenured Seahawks before they let him walk, and the Chargers picked him up. And he's been a run stuffer for them as well. That's going to be a huge matchup. Definitely some nostalgia coming back, right? With some yeah. guys in Okung and insane in the Meebane and – 
he uh, he's a guy that that's is a little bit older, but uh, it's still play. It can still play, and it's always tough you know? to see him in a, in a non Seahawks jersey because there's just so many good memories with him. The dancing, whatever whatever you want to recall, the uh, dancing was great. I remember yeah. we actually watched it the other day. The the uh, Niners Sunday night game. December 23rd, I think that was a 2012 game, and he blocked a field goal that led to a Sherman return for a touchdown, and Seattle ripped that one off of San Francisco. And Yeah, yeah so season. many big plays. Man. Yeah, that was, yeah, no, that's 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 yeah. a good matchup. Definitely something to keep an eye on. What's you, number two for you? You mentioned Okung, and uh, to me, the while Seattle's defense overall has been good and the defensive line has shown sparks, I'm still a little bit underwhelmed by their overall pass rush, and... I feel like in games against really porous offensive lines, yes, they've taken advantage, like against the Raiders in London. Uh, they were definitely able to do that. But even last week, I felt like they let uh, several opportunities go against Stafford late in that game where they could have really helped seal the deal, and they just couldn't get home when they needed to. Uh, so I want to see what Frank Clark can do uh, in this game. He's in a contract year, um, and a lot of people are already saying that he's one of the more one of those guys that you have to retain. And I just don't know if I've seen enough to, to say that he's a big money type of guy. And you know, it'll be fun to see him go up against uh, Okung in this game and see what he can do. So I'm kind of excited to see if they can finally get home and, and disrupt old man Rivers uh, in this game and force him to make some mistakes. Well, you're going to have to. You know, you're going to have to make him uncomfortable because as we'll get into our remember when, when he's been comfortable, <laughs> he's had big games in the past against the Seahawks. Yeah, I've got to agree with that. You know, one of my other ones is going to be, uh, well, I had uh, Melvin Gordon against the linebackers. That's a good call by you. Great minds. But, you know, talk about former Seahawks coming back. Gus Bradley, defensive coordinator of the Chargers. And I know I already said, you know, me being against Britt and the O-line is, is being one. But Bradley against Russell Wilson, talking about a guy who's very familiar with Russ, um, you know, and, and this is going to be interesting. I think Bradley was the Jaguars head coach when they played Seattle uh, in Seattle, that one game that was like strangely close. Yeah, right. When the Jaguars were terrible. When the Jaguars was it twenty thirteen? Absolutely terrible. I think that was twenty fourteen, twenty thirteen. Yeah, you're right, twenty thirteen. Because yeah, Bradley was only year. here in twelve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as overlapping with Wilson, he was only here in twelve, and then he took the Jags job. I think that was a twenty thirteen. In Seattle played the Jags last year, and so they that put, would make sense. It'd be thirteen. Yep. Right, but yeah, but yeah, you're right in terms yep. of a four year span. But Bradley wasn't there last year. Of course, he was with the Chargers, and now he's returning with a unit that's very good. I mean, their linebackers are good now. Yeah. I mean Ingram and and, and Legit and and everybody they have, they're going to be without Bosa, but it's a very very talented group. They love to try to take away the football. They love to play physical. So you know, and especially as it comes to game planning for Russell Wilson. I'm eager to see, you know, does Bradley employ that contain rush instead of like the straight rush so that Wilson's forced to play from the pocket. Of course, we know that Schottenheimer will want to get him out and play action outside the pocket. You know, does Bradley shade some linebackers? Does he send some delay rushers to kind of change the picture on Wilson? I'm interested to see that uh, cat and mouse game because I think there's going to be one Sunday. Yeah, for sure. That's a, that's a really good one. Um, and for me, I'm keeping an eye out on the Chargers defense in another way. You know, they're so defensively takeaways. You talk about how good Seattle's been this year. You know, the Chargers are no slouches, and Wilson's going to really have to take care of the football. The Chargers are eighth in the NFL. They have nine picks this season, uh, you know, and they've already had their bye week, obviously. Uh, so, you know, they're top ten in turnovers this year, and uh, I think that if you're Wilson, you're really going to have to make good decisions, and he's done that for the most part this season, right? Uh 
you know, the only questionable throw that's really turned out poorly for Seattle was, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago against the Raiders when he went to the well too, one too many times with, with old Doug Baldwin there in the red zone. But uh, Wilson has been very, very efficient. But this is an opportunistic secondary. He's going to need to take care of the football. Yeah, absolutely. You got uh, Perryman that leads the team in tackles with 47. Denzel Perryman, Desmond King uh, with a couple of picks and five passes defense. He leads the team in both categories there. And then my final one will be, you know, Seattle's uh, secondary going up against the receivers. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Tyrell Williams, Western Oregon grad. It was a trio of really talented guys. So Sha- Shaquille Griffin's going to be tested. Tyrell Flowers is going to be tested. Ted Thompson, as you mentioned, and uh, McDougal. You know, we saw him go out of the game briefly last week. And, uh, you know, he, he was filled in for. But I think everybody's going to be all hands on deck to try to slow down these guys because Rivers wants to lift the lid. No gates which is going to be interesting, a different uh, change from the past. But, um, Well, and and I got to tell you, I mean, if, um, you know, Thompson had some decent moments last week, but, man, he there is that, that big play danger where yeah, he I gotta say, over the top. I, they so. did re-sign Gates. I just haven't seen him all year. He has 12 catches. This, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, he's got 12 catches this year. So he's still there. So count on Gates trying to make an impact in the red zone. That's all I got to say. Yeah, no, without a doubt. All right. That wraps it up. That was three, right? That was three. Hell yeah. All right, Rich. <laughs> it's time for Remember When on the Game Plan Podcast. Thanks, Rich. All right. We remember when, Perkins. Uh, a lot of AFC West matchups between these teams that at some point we should go back and learn ourselves on. But the ones that come to mind for me in the most recent matchups between Chargers and Seahawks 2010 and 2014, and I'll start with the 2010 game because that was Pete Carroll's first year. It was early in the season, week three, Carroll's third game, and Leon Washington took two kick returns to the house in this football game of 101 yards and 99 yards, respectively. Seattle beat the Chargers uh, 27 to 20. They intercepted Rivers at the end, you know, and uh, this game is is remembered nicely in the um, Rain City Redemption piece that's still on YouTube. By the way, Rain City Redemption by William Cornell. It used to be on YouTube like three or four years ago. Have you seen this? Have we talked about this? No. Is your mic on? (laughs) (laughs) It's a great emotional look back at the history of the Seahawks' Mora to Carol on through the Super Bowl and two present. William Cornell's done it. But NFL was like, there's way too much NFL-licensed footage, so it went away for a while. But it, I saw it the other day pop back up, so I think he remastered it to be kosher and better. Um, but it had this game on it, and it was a formative game in that 2010 first year of Carroll. Week three, they went 27-20, the two returns by Washington, and ultimately Seattle would go on to you know, win the division at 7-9 and nine and win a playoff game that year, too. But Century Link was absolutely rocking in that time. Rivers had a great game, but the two special team returns by Leon Washington got it done for Seattle. So that's my remember when. Mine goes back a little farther, actually. 2006. Wow. The, that, sec- the second Seahawks <laughs> game I ever attended was, a, right? was the Chargers uh, Seattle. The year before I watched the Seahawks pound the 49ers on their way to uh, the Super Bowl. Wait, wait, wait. What year? 2005? Yeah. I was at that game. 
Are you serious? Yeah. That was my very yeah. first Seahawks game. That was game. my first Seahawks game as well. Yeah. December 11th, I was like, 2005. Three rows back off the field, right behind oh, the that's not, bench. That's and not was, where I was. My dad got the hookup. He had a friend who had some tickets and uh, season tickets. and I remember Alexander had two touchdowns early. Ingram had a touchdown early. Bobby. Um, not 41 not. to three, I want to say. And the Niners scored first. I remember that. Nedney had like a 50 yard field goal. I remember the and then first Seattle time, like killed like, him. Seeing the field goal because I was kind of down by that field goal post. And yeah. like, it's so weird when you're at a game and you're that close because it never looks like it's going in from the side view. You right. know, you're like, oh, uh, that's oh, off. Hell no yeah. go. <laughs> okay, I was way off. Nedney. Yeah. Uh, I can't yeah. believe you were at that game. Man. That's funny. Small world. That's why we were destined to do a podcast <laughs> together. Was that your first game? That was my first Seahawks game. That was game. my first Seahawks yeah. game, too. Yeah. It was destiny. It was. Well, that was fun. Remember when with the Chargers. <laughs> so the following year you went. So the following year we went, and this was late in the year. Um, and I think it was week 16 or week 17. It was like Christmas Eve. So it must have been week yeah. week 16, right? Yeah. If only we were um, near a computer. Yeah. We could double check. Go ahead. What do you remember from it? Well, what I remember, it was, it was week 16, is... Uh, the Seahawks having a lead later. Remember, the Seattle this year was definitely on a Super Bowl hangover, right? They end up winning nine games. They win the, the division, but it's it's not pretty. And the Chargers were coming in. This was like LT, prime era. I was right behind the bench. I see him running out, you know. And, of course, Phillip Rivers. Seattle's up late in this game. And Phillip Rivers slings one to freaking Vincent Jackson for the touchdown. And it was... Devastating. Hmm. I mean, just completely silenced the crowd. And I, I want to say it was as time expired, or it was like really, really late in the game. Um, I'm looking at it right now, and uh, yeah, the touchdown with 29 seconds sec- left. Yep, seconds left. Yep. So 37 yarder from Rivers to Jackson. I remember watching this game on TV. Now this it, this was brutal. Remember, and I want to say it was a post route to Jackson, and it was just oh man, just the the the, the stadium was so loud, right? Because this was. I mean, prime false start era. Yeah. And, I mean, the silence, man, you could have heard a pin drop after that touchdown. Phillip Rivers went 10 for 30. (laughs) With two touchdowns, no picks. 22 carries for 123 for LT. And Sean Alexander, 31 carries for 140. Man, we used to ride that dude. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. So, one thing I do remember is after the game, because this was Christmas Eve, Mike Holmgren's walking to the tunnel, and we're, like, right by the tunnel. And everyone's kind of, like, looking at him or whatever, and he looks up at the crowd and says, everyone have a Merry Christmas. After just getting stunned on the final play of the game or one of the final plays of the game, he says that hmm. to the crowd. I thought that was pretty cool. That is neat. Not yeah. surprising. Not surprising at all, but really, really cool. Because yeah. Holmgren, he was a mindful man for that. All right. Time to get to uh, some game note theory with Brian Perkins. Oh, man. Do I have some theories for you today? <laughs> You ready to have your mind blown? Well, game theory always blows my mind. Just try to blow it a little less. Okay. That's what she said. So, <laughs> Russell Wilson uh, has started 103 consecutive games. You know this, right? I do. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's fourth among He texted active... me the other day yeah, with that little yeah. nugget. He's like, totes excited hey, for bro, 104. bro, bro, bro. So, he's fourth among active QBs. You know who number one is? Is this consecutive? Consecutive starts. It's got to be Tom. Philip. It's Philip. Philip Rivers. Because yeah, Tom had the uh, the knee injury. So when? In 2000, 
Yeah, that was it. <laughs> I was. Oh, oh, oh no! The suspension. Suspension. Oh, the suspension. Yeah, yeah. That's right. it's like it's been a hundred games. <laughs> yeah. Then. So uh, <laughs> Garoppolo and Brissett got yeah. some starts in there. That's right. So anyway, Rivers. This is going to be his two hundredth consecutive start. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. So uh, guess who is behind Russell Wilson? Directly behind him for consecutive starts among active quarterbacks. Hey, you want to take a guess at all? Andy Dalton. Blake Bortles. No way. 69. Really? A really nice number for him. Nice. Yeah. 69 starts. Bortles has started 69, and that's active? Yeah. Wow, that is interesting. You think about Eli getting just benched. Just in this and, day and age right now, Bortles is like, he might have that snapped. Yeah. Very, very soon. Yeah. Yeah, well, hmm. when you throw all your passes. Do you, you know, know who, who's two and three out of curiosity? I'm not 100% sure. Let me look for you. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't no, write no. that. I was just wondering. Uh, I was just wondering. Um, also, I'll, I'll look that up, though, here. Probably like very organized. Here. Donovan McNabb and Sean King. I love my <laughs> early 2000s quarterbacks. <laughs> wow. I love yeah, them. Yeah, they're on point today. Yeah. Also, um, Russell D- Wilson Dante, just needs. Cole Pepper. <laughs> Anyone else? Anyone else you want to throw out there? Yeah. Um, go with uh, David Carr. Wait a second. Who's the <laughs> it is David. Yeah, yeah, David <laughs> Byron Leftwich. Byron Leftwich. Chad Pennington. Byron Leftwich is coaching now, isn't he? Yeah, he took over the uh offensive coordinator job. Where at again? Arizona Cardinals in our division. You think we would know that? I did know that. I just <laughs> I was just getting I was getting there. I was just thinking about nineties QBs. David Garrard. Well, that's more like mid two thousands. David Garrard. Charlie Batch. Yeah. Anyone else? Tommy Maddox. Mm. Scott Mitchell. You're welcome. That's a great one. I'm thinking of all the Thanksgiving quarterbacks I used to watch. John Elway, Chris Chandler. Yeah, just like think of uh, any Cowboy slash Lions quarterback. Brett Favor. Brett Favor. He's a big one. I heard of him. Yeah, he's he is definitely. Trent Green. Mark Bulger. All right, enough waffling. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) So you have Philip Rivers at 199, Matt Ryan, 138, and Stafford at 119. Then Russ. Then you have Russ and uh, Bortles. Bortles. Wow, that's an amazing stat. Anything else from Game Note Theory? (laughs) Russ, if he wins today, he'll pass Dave Craig, all-time winningest regular season quarterback with 70. In Seahawks history. In Seahawks history, obviously. So he's currently on 69. Yes. Just to clear that up. <laughs> nice. KJ Wright also, this is a big milestone for him. He needs 20 tackles to pass Jacob Green for sixth place all time on Seattle's tackles list. Wow. Jacob so, Green, ring of honor. I mean, but we're talking about, uh, you know, KJ Wright by the end of the season, assuming all is healthy, him and Wagner could end up, you know, top five in tackles all time on the team. That's a hell of a duo. That is one hell of a duo. Yeah. Anthony Lynn called uh, KJ Wright savvy. I think that's the right word for him because he's cer- certainly long, but he's not as dynamic as Wagner from a power or speed standpoint. But he is savvy, and he can—he's uh, good in coverage have too. A lot of different ma- you can put him a lot of different matchups, right? Except when he's playing the Broncos. Well, you know, it was Manning, twin verts. <laughs> Woo! Well, that's game note theory. That's a lot of fun. I love thinking about those quarterbacks that we mentioned. All right, time to predict this game. By the way, shout out to 2014. I thought that's where you're going to go with the remember when. Yeah. 
That was the road game, though, at uh, the Chargers that Seattle lost 30-21. to Antonio Gates Rivers had a huge, huge day that day. It was like 100 degrees. Seattle would end up bouncing back from that one to return to win the NFC and people go to were, the Super Bowl again. People were but pretty stunned yeah. because the Chargers were kind of in a bit of a oh. waffling rebuild type of type of phase. Wow. Waffle gets two shout-outs from two me today. Two shout-outs today. It's my word of the day. You must be hungry. Because they they dominated the Packers at home. Remember Seattle? People were like, no yeah. Super Bowl hangover for them. And then it 36, was like, 16. oh, the Seahawks can bleed. Well, and then you mentioned KJ Wright Denver was the following week, actually. Yeah, it was. Was that week three? <laughs> they started two and one, but it could have very easily been one and two. Yeah. They would lose to Dallas at home later that year. St. Louis on the road. Yeah, was it third and eighteen in Dallas that yeah, third uh, Tony and seventeen Romo converted with seventeen or eighteen? <sighs> and it was Romo, hell of a pass, but what a catch, Terrence Williams. Um, pretty Ugh, sure the Seahawks man. blocked a punt. Baldwin blocked a punt to start that game. Yeah, barely got on TV because uh, the previous game was going. <laughs> well, what a great memory. All right, let's predict this football game. I don't know if any of that helped. That was very disingenuous. Our way what here. a great memory. What a great, what a great time. Seahawks and Chargers, Los Angeles. <sighs> Chargers off a bye. I think we'll find out about the game plan ability of Anthony Lynn. I think CenturyLink will be rocking. You know, first home game that Seattle's had since the Ram game, right? Yeah. Then they go on the road to Arizona and then have the bye yeah. and then road to Detroit. So first- Seattle's like two and six in their last eight at home. December was terrible. Yeah, it was really bad last after season. that Eagles game was terrible. So yeah, well, in the first home game after the passing of Paul Allen, there will probably be some tribute for him, uh, and uh, it should be rocking, man. I'm really, really looking forward to the atmosphere. The team's been winning, so it should be loud as heck. Be a lot different than the London atmosphere the Chargers got, you know, two weeks ago when they last played and barely beat the Titans. I'll go ahead and let you go first here. What are you thinking? I've been waffling on this all week, man. Triple it's, it's, waffle. Oh yeah, Amazing. you're right. That's way I've been pancaking on this all week. I'm shout out DJ Fluker. Hungry. Um, I just Are you saying that because he's fat or because he pancakes people? Because he pancakes people. <laughs> <laughs> maybe both. Maybe both. Shout out Fluke. Maybe I mean one maybe leads to the other. If we're going to be honest, <laughs> that's why uh, they call it a pancake. <laughs> I am going to pick the Seahawks just because they're playing at home. Uh, I. I'm really worried about this game, though. This game makes me nervous. And and to be honest, if if Seattle was going to like only win two games in the month of November, and you had to pick two, you're picking the back half of the month, right? Like you you would prefer that they would beat the Packers and the Panthers, but you really want to take care of home field here. You already have one loss on the season, and you don't want to have two home losses this year if you can avoid it. Especially given you have the Vikings and the Chiefs still to uh, come to CenturyLink Field this year, so this feels like a really good opportunity to. Uh, to get a win, um, but the Chargers do scare me. I'm going to take Seattle 27-24. I'll take Seattle 24-23. Very similar type of game and just try to eke it out, hope for some magic. Maybe uh, Janikowski magic kills the Chargers just like you would do with the Raiders in the AFC West days, and, uh, you know, Dixon will show up and be his big ball self and propel Seattle to a win. I really think the crowd's going to have to play a big role. And uh, hopefully they will, and Seattle will keep from the big play like they did last week in Detroit. This would be a huge, huge win, man. This would be a massive win. It would. Get to 5-3. and It would tell us more about this team, I feel like, too, uh, a win like this. Uh, The Chargers are a good football team. Yeah. 
So this is, you know, I mean, look at the Raiders. That win, you're kind of like, oh, good. I'm glad they won that game because the Raiders are god-awful. Uh, you know, the Lions, you don't really know who they are. But the the, the Chargers are a good team, and uh, this is a chance to, to really keep those things going. And you're going to need some momentum going against the Rams. By the way, we still have that 2006 box score up. The Chargers were 14-2 and two that year. Like, that was a that was they the, year the they one lost. seed in the AFC. Yeah, but they lost in, to, to Peyton the, Manning, I think, right, in the oh, divisional? maybe. I thought they lost at home. You're right. I think they did lose to Peyton Manning in, in the, the divisional, divisional at home. Yeah, because yeah. they lost some home playoff games. Or what? Yeah, because they lost to the Jets, I think, later on in that Mark Sanchez went in there and beat them in a divisional game with the Jets. But I think that was a couple of years later. Because this was the year. I mean, this was the year they were supposed to. And was this Schottenheimer's last year? I think so, yeah, because it was 14-2, and uh, two, and then he lost the playoff game, and he uh, he got canned because, you know, in that demanding San Diego market, oh, you no, can't they, just go 14-2 and two and they lost not do anything. to the Patriots that year. At home? And the divisional, though. It was the divisional round. Yeah, they lost to the Patriots 24-21. Man, you do not just walk into Qualcomm and get a win like that. Do you remember... This was what made me so bitter about that season. It's amazing. Was that, and I freaking hated LaDainian Tomlinson for this. Sean Alexander, and this is, remember, oh, yeah. remember, by the way, folks, okay? How amazing you, 05 was. If you have been a Seahawks fan for a long time, you know that people did not look at the Seahawks with any animosity or any respect. No one gave a crap about that franchise at all. And Even Chris, when and they Chris were good. Berman's words, they were blocked by Mount Rainier. No one could see him. Yeah. They, they were even when they went thirteen and three and went to the Super Bowls like oh well you know the NFC was down their division was terrible there was always an excuse Sean Alexander breaks the record for most touchdowns right by a running back in a season most total touchdowns mm-hmm. the very next GD season Ladanian Tomlinson comes in and breaks that record and that was just and he breaks it early like week like thirteen or fourteen or something like that like really early. And I just remember going to that game and being so bitter at LT because it was like, Sean Alexander's our MVP and he's the one that broke the record and, you know, put his name in the history books. And not 12 months later, it gets snapped. I just remember that was very, that was a a tough pill to swallow. It was a tough pill to swallow because a minute, you know, it almost kind of made Alexander's record ring a little hollow. And, but those two guys rushing out that game. Alexander finished with more yards. But Combining for 260 yards between the two of them. Amazing. You know, but LT looked good, though, in his prime. He was ridiculously was so, good. I so mean, good. Yeah, so good. I mean, you know, first ballad. But it's just, it's like, it was just, I just remember being very, very bitter and really wanting Seattle to win that game almost for that reason alone. Well, hopefully they can get it done Sunday. We'll talk about it again Monday. It's the Game Plan Podcast for Brian Perkins. I'm Chuda Nubion, 1029thegame.com.